Good morning. Enjoy and celebrate baptism today. And in this service, we have five older children who are being baptized. And I think all five of these have completed our children's membership class. They've all confessed their faith in Christ. And what a joy to share with these young people in following Jesus, acting out his death, burial, and resurrection, and sharing their commitment to follow him. So first of all, uh, this is Chloe Tucker. And she is the daughter of Paula Avalone, who's a member of our church. And uh, if you are other family or friends of uh, Chloe's that's here, would you just stand in her honor right now, please? We're so glad you could be here for this special time. Thank you. You may be seated. Chloe, in front of your family and your church family, will you confess Jesus is Lord? On your confession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my sister. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Ava Tucker. This is Chloe's sister. This is also uh, Paula Avalone's daughter. And so probably if you stood for Chloe, you want to stand for Ava too. So stand up in her honor and let her see friends and family who are here. And we're glad you could be here for this special time. God bless you. Ava, will you confess before these people, Jesus is Lord. On your confession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. This is Noella Neighbors. Uh, Noella's mom is Megan. Noella accepted Jesus as her savior in our vacation Bible school this past summer. Completed the new member class. Wimberley's and others are family members of her. If you're family of friends of Noella's, would you stand in her honor, please? All right, great. Thank you. You may be seated. We're so glad that each of you could be here for this special event. Noella, will you confess before your family and friends that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. Your confession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. This is Xander Warwick, and huh? I'm sorry, guys. These these are good buddies. I've, this is this is Hayden Van Mater. He comes with the Warwicks. Uh, uh, you'll see them in a minute. They look a lot, a lot, a lot alike here. Sorry, sorry, buddy. Uh, and uh, will you confess? Uh, well, first of all, are there family or, or friends? 
fear of, uh, of heights. We're glad you're here. Thank you. You may be seated. What a privilege. Hayden, will you confess before your family and friends that Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. On your confession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. switched order on me, didn't you, for standing up there, right? You did that on purpose, didn't you? It's okay. I'm going to forgive you anyway. Uh, so this is Xander Warwick, and uh, if you're family or friends of his, would you please stand in his honor? Oh, that's great. We're glad you're here. What a privilege and an honor. Xander, would you confess before your church family, Jesus is Lord? Jesus is Lord. On your confession of faith in Christ, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, that's a great beginning to the service, isn't it? Uh, it's been a good day because we had baptism in, in the uh, first service at 830 uh, Todd and I did our best to try to talk somebody at 945 to get baptized because we wanted to have a trifecta. In two years, we've not had anybody get baptized in all three services on the same day. So, you know, we, we try to give away a free t-shirt, nothing worked. But anyway, we're excited to, uh, um, you know, begin the service with baptisms and see the hope that we have in, in Christ as our Lord. And so if you're a guest with us, um, we're glad that you're here. We want to welcome you to First Baptist. We welcome you to, to just be a part of our family. You'll see here in, in the, the guest rack or in the pew rack there right in front of you this little guest registration card. And if you can take just a moment to fill that out and, and uh, give us your name, a little bit of brief information, and a way that we can connect with you, whether it's through email or a, a phone number, um, we'd love to be able to tell you about the, the things that are going on in the life of our church. There's a lot of great ways that we're serving the Lord, ministry opportunities you can be a part of, mission trips you can go on, a community outreach that you can serve in. And we want you to know about those things. And so um, every Monday morning, we pray in our staff meeting for the prayer requests that you put on, on these cards. So if there's something that you would like us to pray about, uh, please write that on the card and drop it in the offer plate later. And, and we'll pray for that tomorrow morning. And so uh, we're going to begin our service uh, just by taking a second to greet, greet those around you. Shake hands with somebody. Find somebody that you don't know. Introduce yourself to them, all right? Stand up, stand up. 
thing with us. It's such a good thing to know that we in Jesus Christ are no longer slaves. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song. Oh, deliverance from my chosen me, oh, love has called my name, oh, I've been born, I've been born again, have you, come on, to live family, I love this part, your blood flows through my veins, come on church, sing it, and I'm no longer a saint to fear. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Let me hear you sing it, church. I'm no longer.
So how is your thought life? What's your thinking like? Today I want to begin a four-part sermon series. We're entitled, Think Like Jesus. And our goal over the next four weeks is that we could develop the mindset, the thought patterns that Jesus had. I'm a big fan of Winnie the Pooh. Do you like Winnie the Pooh? And Winnie the Pooh taps his head and says, think, think, think. That's what I want us to do these next four weeks to try to think, think, think like Jesus would think about our relationships and about our money and about our time and about our priorities and about our lives. Could we try together to change our thought life from that which is impure and earthbound and self-centered to that which is like the thought life of Jesus, and our lives will be greatly different because of it. So today, we begin this series by considering three different ways of thinking, three different mindsets, and you will find yourself in one of these three ways of thinking. They're presented to us in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. I'm sharing the scripture today from the New King James Version. I don't usually use that translation, but I think it preserves the parallel between these three words, these three uh, categories that we're going to see. So you can follow in the NIV that we have in our Purex or whatever translation that you have. So let's look at them. The first of these mindsets that we want to survey is the natural person. This is just the way that all of us think naturally. It's the way we're born to think. And it is earthbound thinking. It doesn't think beyond the horizon of death. It's self-centered thinking. This is the thinking of a, of a non-Christian. It's where we all start out. I've been sharing the Greek word in, uh, for each of these three, not to impress you, but to try to show the parallel of the form for each of these three. And so the, the word that we translate natural here is psychikos. We get our word psyche from it. This is thinking that's limited to your own psyche or your own psychology. It's thinking that doesn't go beyond the bounds of what you were naturally given. And so in chapter 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 is presented the thinking of the natural person. We're going to look at three phrases that give us three characteristics of this way of thinking. Number one, first of all, the natural person does not accept spiritual things. First characteristic of a natural person does not accept spiritual things. The verse begins, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. So this is a person who doesn't accept spiritual things. Secondly, the natural person views spiritual things as foolishness. The second phrase of verse 14 says, For they are foolishness to him. Or one translation says, They don't make sense to him. Now, I've, I've talked to people that, that are like this about spiritual things, and you probably do too. I, I remember talking with a, a man one time whose son wanted to become a missionary, felt called of God to be a missionary. And he was a businessman, and he said, he used almost these same words in this verse. He said to me, it just doesn't make sense to me what he wants to do. I've got him set up on track to be a successful businessman, to follow me. And he wants to go 
to another country and live a life of poverty and a life of danger and risk. It just doesn't make sense to me. Well, you see, that's what this verse says, that spiritual things to the natural mind are foolishness or don't make sense. The third characteristic in verse 14 of the natural way of thinking, the natural person does not understand the value of spiritual things. The final phrase says, nor can he know them, for they are spiritually discerned. So this person doesn't appreciate or discern the value of spiritual things because that discernment comes from the presence of the Holy Spirit within us, and this person does not have the Holy Spirit because he hasn't received Christ. Uh, Now, I think when you look at this verse, it can help you to understand some of your family and friends. Maybe you're sort of frustrated with some folks because you're into this thing of church and following Jesus, and they don't seem to appreciate that or understand that. And, and, but here, maybe you should be patient with them because, you see, that's just the natural mindset. Maybe you want to show some grace there because that's the natural way of thinking and an understanding and appreciation of these things only comes by the Holy Spirit. So we can't expect to be at appreciation where there is not the Holy Spirit. It also may help you to understand yourself a little bit because maybe you're not a believer and you're here today, but you're just not sure about this Christianity thing and you're not sure about it. That's understandable because it's not spiritually, it's not naturally discerned. It's spiritually appreciated or spiritually valued or spiritually discerned. But if you'll stay with that, uh, then, then you can begin to see, perhaps, the value of spiritual things. Let me compare it this way. I grew up as a child of the South. I had, was not a, a fan of hockey. Didn't know anything about hockey. Didn't appreciate hockey. Hockey seemed foolishness to me. Did not discern the value of hockey things. Then the Predators came to Nashville. And so I had more exposure to hockey. And... Uh, you know, at first, I, I didn't understand anything about it. They would call icing. What's icing? They're all on the ice. What can that mean, you know? They would call offsides. There's no line of scrimmage. How could there be offsides? I didn't value or appreciate hockey. But gradually, I've been to some hockey games, and I've watched it. And so, with this increased exposure to hockey, I've developed some appreciation of it. I'm still not an expert on it. But I value that. I receive hockey. I no longer consider hockey foolishness. I have learned to discern the value of hockey things. Do you see how that process maybe could happen in in your life as well? The first mindset is where we all begin. It's the natural person. It's the person who doesn't receive spiritual things, views them as foolishness, doesn't understand their value. The second possible mindset is the spiritual person. In the next verse, we're going to have described the spiritual person. Now, that doesn't mean somebody who's proud. There's no reason to be proud. I am very spiritual. That's not what we're talking about here. It's simply the person who has received the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is pneumatikos. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma. The spirit is the breath or wind of God. We get our word pneumonia and pneumatic tires from this Greek root word. So the pneumatikos is simply the person who is filled with, who has residing within him or her, the Holy Spirit. So what does that 
mindset look like? There are three phrases in verse 15 that describe it. Let's read them. First of all, the spiritual person is able to discern the real value of everything. First phrase of verse 15 says, But he who is spiritual judges all things. The word judges is the same word as discerned at the end of verse 14. So the one who is spiritual is able, has some discernment discerns all things, or one translation says evaluates all things. When you have the Holy Spirit, you're able to evaluate what's important and what's not important in life. Or one translation has appraise. Have you ever had your house appraised, your jewelry appraised? Somebody who knew the worth could tell you the true worth. Well, the spiritual person is an appraiser. He's a, he or she is able to appraise what's valuable in life and what's not as valuable. That comes from the Holy Spirit within you. You can get some discernment, some wisdom. Doesn't mean you're smarter than a natural person. Many natural people have greater intelligence or learning or education, but there is a discernment, a, an appraising value that comes from having the Spirit within you. Second characteristic, the spiritual person is misunderstood by the world. The next phrase of verse 15 says, he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged or discerned or appraised or valued by no one. So uh, you're going to be misunderstood if you're a spiritual person, if you're a believer in Christ. We see that in the media very much today, don't we? That's going to increasingly be so. So don't be thrown for a loop if your friends don't get it while you're in, when, because you're into the church thing. If your friends say, you're crazy if you're a tither and you're giving away 10% of your money and nobody makes you do it, you're crazy. Don't, be, uh, don't, don't feel uh, strange when you are not understood for your values or your beliefs. That goes with the territory. These things are spiritually appreciated. Those who do not have the Spirit cannot discern them, so they will misjudge you. They will misunderstand you. They misunderstood Jesus. That's going to go with the territory. Expect that. The third phrase that describes a spiritual person in verse 15, the spiritual person has the mind of Christ. Actually, this is in verse 16, the next verse. The spiritual person has the mind of Christ. It says, and Paul, first of all, quotes from the Old Testament, Isaiah 40, 13, a question, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? That's a quote from Isaiah 40, 13. The proper answer is, well, nobody understands the mind of the Lord except the Spirit. So what Paul is saying, but you have the Spirit, so, but we have the mind of Christ. Man, that's an amazing statement, isn't it? That you and I, because we believed in the Son of God, Jesus, his spirit comes into our life when we believe and you possess the mindset of Jesus. Doesn't mean you're as smart as Jesus or you know everything that Jesus knows, but you have that same kind of thinking possibility within you and within me that Jesus does. We have the mind of Christ. Wow. So I think he's reminding them of this, that they would cultivate that in the church at Corinth. So I want to challenge you this month. This is what we're about. Could, could we seek to, together to try to cultivate the mind of Christ? That we're going to try to learn to think, think, think like Jesus. Let me tell you how that sort of played out in my life this past week. A week ago Friday, um, I went to the Department of Transportation in Tullahoma to get a new driver's license. Uh, sometime next year, everyone who 
is going to fly on an airplane in the United States has to have a new type of driver's license called a gold star driver's license. And I figure it's going to get crowded later on, so I'm really smart. I'm an early adopter, so I'm going to go early, you know, before the rush goes. So you have to take your passport or your birth certificate, and you have to take uh, uh, your Social Security card, and you have to take two forms that show your address, that you're who you say you are, and you go. So I go a week ago Friday, and uh, I walk in the door, and I'm number 75 in line. There are 30 people standing in line, and there are 44 people seated. Every chair is full, and in case you're wondering, there are 44 chairs in the Department of Transportation waiting room because I counted them standing there. 44 seated, 30 or so in line, and I said, man. So I, I turned and left, but before I left, I said, what would be a better day to come? Is there a better day? They said, come on Wednesday. Wednesday is, uh, is our least crowded day. And somebody said, and you need to come when it's raining because they don't do the driver's test for kids that are doing the driving test on that day, so there won't be as many kids there, right? So last Wednesday, this past Wednesday, it was raining that morning. And so I decide I'm going to go before it opens. I'll be first in line. It opens at 8.30. So I pull into the parking lot in the rain at 8.15, I'm number 27 in line in the parking lot, standing in the rain. So I park and I get out. I just look up. I said, God, there are 26 people. And we wait 15 minutes in the rain until the glass doors open. And then we go in and we line up and we wait. And then after you go through one line to do this gold star thing, you got to go to a kiosk, you know, a little computer kiosk. And I get in a line behind it and I'm looking and I'm trying to count how many of these are old people like me in front of me because old people are so slow at computers, you know, and it's going to take them forever. And I'm counting, you know, how many of these 10 people in front of me are old? Oh, they're going to be there forever. And, it, and then it just sort of hit me. Is this how Jesus would think about these people? Because, you see, I was viewing every one of those people as just an obstacle. You are in my way. You know, and I'm thinking, that's probably not how Jesus would view this situation, right? And so I, I tried to think, man, you're preaching on the mind of Christ in four days, and here you are, you know, you're just viewing all these people as obstacles. And so I, I, as I was in line, I just tried to think, now, what, how would Jesus view this situation, you know? How would he view these people? And, you know, it says that Jesus saw the multitudes, and I had, you know, multitudes, Jesus saw the multitudes, and he looked with compassion on them. That's a different mindset than I had in that line. And, and so I thought, you know, if I'm going to develop the mind of Christ, what could I do? Well, I could, I could start praying for these people, and I could listen to conversations, and maybe somebody needs to talk about something. I don't know. You see, I need to learn this month to have the mind of Christ and to cultivate that in my life. Maybe you do too. Would you join me this month as we try to think like Jesus, if you have believed in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, you have some discernment that the rest of the world does not have, you will be misunderstood, but you have the mind of Christ. Let's cultivate that. Now, there's a third category. There ought to be only two, right? There ought to be just the natural person who's not yet a believer and the person who has believed and now has received the Spirit and has this discernment. 
But Paul says as he writes to these Corinthians, I could not put you in either category. I've got to invent a third category to call you, Paul says. And it's in chapter 3, the next verse, beginning at verse 1. This is the carnal person. It is the Greek word, sarkikos. So we've got sakikos, pneumatikos, and sarkikos. Natural, spiritual, and carnal. You're one of these three. What's a carnal person? Well, let's look at three characteristics of this person according to these verses. First of all, the carnal person is a believer but is spiritually immature. Look at verse 1. It says, And I, brethren, so he's calling them brothers and sisters, so they're Christians, but I couldn't speak to you as spiritual. I can't use that label about you, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. They're in Christ, but they're babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able. So Paul says of them, you have believed in Christ, you're sealed in Him, you have the Holy Spirit, but you're not thinking according to the Holy Spirit. You have not grown, you're like a baby. Now, we expect babies to be babies, right? It's okay for a baby to act like a baby, right? If you go down into our, our we connect and a kid cries because they're hungry. That's the only way they know to tell you, right? We expect that. That's not abnormal. That's accepted. But if you're sitting here in this service and you start crying out while I'm preaching, I'm hungry. I wish this was over. I'm so hungry. We don't expect that. We expect you to mature beyond that, that you, that you have grown a little bit and that you Develop some self-control, right? That's a change that should be taking place. Well, Paul says, you're saved, but you're still acting like babies, he said. You're still on a bottle. We don't want 40-year-olds sitting here with a bottle in their mouth in church, right? But a baby, that would be normal, right? So there's got to be some progression. Is there any progression in your life? Is there any growth, any development? Are you still right where you were in your thinking when you were saved? Are you still right where you were before you were saved? That's what he's saying here. Second characteristic, the carnal person is jealous and quarrelsome. It says in the next part of verse 3, For you are still carnal, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal? So these things are outward evidences of a carnal mind or way of thinking, worldly, fleshly way of thinking. So if you're broken in relationships at school and at work and you're always in a quarrel and a fight and you're always jealous or envious of somebody, that may be an indication that this is your category. The third characteristic is the carnal person behaves like a natural person. The last part of verse 13 says, and behaving like mere men. So when you're acting like a non-Christian or a natural person, even though you have believed in Christ, you are not spiritual, you are carnal, he says. And Paul, if you read these chapters around these verses, they, that, this is who they were. And Paul says, you've given indication by your actions that you've got a thought problem and your thinking needs to change in your mindset. So, where are you? I'm going to be honest now. Which one of these best describes your way of thinking? The natural, the spiritual, or the carnal? The key to thinking like Jesus is your relationship to the Holy Spirit. 
The key for all three of these is the relationship to the Holy Spirit. By definition, the natural person does not have the Holy Spirit, so cannot understand spiritual things. The spiritual person has the Holy Spirit. That's what makes him a spiritual person. The carnal person has the Holy Spirit, but is grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit within him or her. And so what that person needs to do is to empty yourself, confess your sin, and say, Lord, fill me. I, I should be thinking differently. I shouldn't still be a baby. I shouldn't still be divisive. There's something wrong in my attitude, my mindset, my thinking. And I want the mind of Christ that is within me to govern my life. If you're a natural person, would you see that these things that just aren't, don't quite make sense to you could contain truth that would give you discernment as well as life? And that if you'll just open your mind to the truth of the gospel, then the gospel can overcome the power of Satan in your life and give you freedom of thought. Would you bow with me in prayer? Lord Jesus, I first of all want to pray for those who are spiritual. That is, they simply have received the Holy Spirit. They have the mind of Christ. Oh Lord, would you help us this month to be very aware of that, to cultivate the mind of Christ. Oh God, help us to think like Jesus about everything in our lives. I pray for those who could best be described as carnal. And they're saved, but their thinking has not advanced, and there's not that moral discernment. Oh God, I pray right now that we would say, Jesus, I don't want to think like this anymore. I don't want my thought life to be like this. It's producing behavior that's not right. I empty myself. Oh, Spirit, I give you control of my life. Fill me. Guide me, I pray. And then, Lord, I pray for those who would be here who are just natural people, just normal the way they were born, and they've not yet come to an appreciation of spiritual things. Oh, God, by the power of your gospel, would you open their eyes that they might embrace truth and find that discernment that you want to give them through the mind of Christ. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me in a moment of uh, invitation, a song we're going to sing, and as we sing in a moment, I'm going to invite you to respond to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. If you're a natural person and you want to become a spiritual person, then I'm going to invite you to walk down with these aisles Somebody will pray with you, a prayer to receive Christ as Savior. The Spirit will come into your life and will begin to produce in you some discernment and wisdom that will bless your life. And you can be baptized next month as these were to say, I have made this change of transformation in my life. We'd welcome you to do that as you sing. Maybe you're a carnal person and maybe where you stand or if you want somebody to pray with you, you're welcome to come and somebody will pray with you. But you need to say, God, I need to radically change my thinking. I've not been growing. This could be an important day in your life. Maybe you need a church home. We'd invite you to come join our church. As God speaks to you, would you respond to him as we sing? The riches of this world will fade. The pleasures of our God remain. Here I empty myself. Oh, 
And thank you. Please be seated again, if you will. We're going to now give to the Lord. We give back to Him. We can't give Him anything on our own, but we give back a portion of what He's given us as a way of worship, as a way of thanksgiving, as a way to share in His good work of ministry. Let us pray. Dear Father above, we thank You for this day. We thank You for this time to gather and to worship. Father, we thank You for Your Holy Spirit. That indwells each of us and leads us and guides us, forms our mind into the mind of Christ. Father, your spirit has led us in worship. Father, we come to worship with our tithes and our offerings now. And we just pray that the spirit would continue to lead us. Father, as we return these worldly gifts that you have graciously and abundantly given to us, Father, we pray, Father, that we would, we would give them with the mind of Christ, Father, with uh, understanding that it all belongs to you. And that, Father, we love you, we praise you, we give these gifts, we give them to you as, a, as, a, as an act of worship. We pray, Father, you would be lifted up, you would be glorified. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. 